This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. And welcome to another week of Can You Be More Pacific? My name is Sarah Nangama and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Dean Hallatow. Fakalofala here to everyone and welcome to the show. It's great to be here once again. Uh, a happy Constitution Day tomorrow for all our friends in the Cook Islands. We've got plenty to get through on today's show. We'll be joined by dual international legend, Loti Tungiri. We've got a new question for You Can Ask That. That is controversial. And we'll take a look at what's on the sporting calendar this weekend. Sarah. How's the week been? How's it come down from Vegas and all things uh, touring from a few weeks ago? Well, look, the come down has been very, very real, but this week we returned to uh, training or structured sessions anyways. We had remote sessions last week and it's testing week. Ooh. So on Saturday, last Saturday, I went out for my birthday and apparently in the midst of all the hype, I was telling my friends, I need to get 15.2 in the yo-yo come Monday. And my friend said to me, why the hell are you even thinking about the yo-yo? Well, he's celebrating your birthday. But obviously I was anxious about it. Had testing on Monday. She hit 15.2. And this is a big deal, Harlot. Thank you. Thank you. Yay, yay, yay. This is a big deal because years for years, I've tried to chase 15.2 and only on two occasions I've been able to achieve it. So the fact that I can come off a big extended Campaign, campaign. Yeah, campaign, campaign, campaign. That's the good word. And come away with the the physical goods is amazing. Then last night we did weight testing and I hit a new PB in my bench press. She got 67.5. Tried 70, failed. Yeah. But I'm fitter and I'm stronger. So I'm also thinking maybe Vegas was a really good idea. There's a formula in it. (laughs) Honestly, there's a method to the madness and – Look, I'm just saying I came back stronger when I went to Vegas, so let's go, baby. <laughs> yes, well done. well done on your PBs. Thank you. What about you? How's your week been? Week's been good. I had like my, my little father, Louis, who I always talk about in the show, he had his um, he had a gala day for rugby league last Saturday, and the kids had like three games. First game was at 8.30 in the morning, second game was at 10, and then the last game was at 1. Now, the 10 to 1 gap <laughs> proved a little bit challenging for all the, all the kids. We went over to a park across the road, cooked up a barbecue, so they had... Food, lots of lollies, a few uh, soft drinks and stuff. And um, yeah, by the time they got back for that third game, they were stroppy as the kids. They were hard to wrangle to get across there. Then, then once they're on the field, they started pushing and shoving a bit. And it wasn't just our kids. It was a, the other team as well. You could tell that they were all had, had had enough, but it was fun. It was still a good day and lots of um, lots of families out a few, you know, when you get to the gala days and there's marquees up yeah. and just having a good time. So it's a true family affair. It is. Yeah. So that was cool. He got through it. Um, he was happy, but he still powered on for the rest of the day as well. He didn't like. Did he crash it. and burn on Saturday no, evening? No, he's like, he's, he's really weird. Like he. He, he seems tired, but he just wants to keep going. He just wants to be like stimulated, I guess. So he just kept going. With long live go. King Louis. Yes, long live King Louis. Now let's get into some sport. Uh, NRL on the weekend. NRLW, all four new teams managed has managed to get a win so far this season. So for me, that's really good in terms of the talent is there. Um, the, the competition's equitable, so we've spread the talent well. Uh, and seeing all those new teams win in the first two weeks is, uh, is a good sign for the NRLW. Yeah, it's super promising. And the best thing I love about that is the conversation that surrounded the expansion of the NRLW was this worry. Will the teams be comp- Sorry, will these teams be competitive? And for them to all solidify some, some solid wins um, in the opening rounds of the NRLW is super promising. I'm a big fan of the Raiders, but that's a story no one asked for anyways. <laughs> Well, and also the quality of the football is still high as well. That's like yes. it's it's good to have the 
the competitive nature of the competition, but the quality is still is still really high. So I'm um, really enjoying the the NRW at the moment. Um, now, other good news in the NRL and PNG are receiving some resources and education from uh, the NRL to combined effort. So from the NRL, the Australian Defence Force, PNG Rugby League, and Asia Pacific Rugby League. So over the course of the last week, there's been coaching um, clinics, so trying to upskill people on the ground there, but also provision of um, some resources, which is really positive because we know how much PNG's worshipped in sorry rugby league is worshipped in PNG. Uh, it's great to see the investment not only from rugby league here in Australia, but also from government uh, from and and the the help that the defence force also um, aided in, in getting that off the ground. Extremely well said. Turning our attention to rugby, Helena Young, who plays for the Queensland Reds, received the Spirit of the Reds Award in her first season. As we know, she had a stunning maiden season. She debuted for Queensland Reds and within her, sorry, within her first two games, she scored three tries. Also want to make mention of Samoan uh, back Cecilia Smith, who was recognised as best back as we look at her stats from the season. She had three tries, 18 conversions and six penalties. What a woman. Yeah, this is um, really good for Helena Young. We talked about her speed last last year and the fact that I'll she- beat her in a 100-meter sprint. You got to come uh, Kidding. Well, you hit, maybe at the moment you're hitting PBs, so Mate. you might be a chance. Tell her to come to Sydney and catch this smoke. <laughs> <laughs> three tries in her first two games and uh, she burst onto the scene and no doubt um, she'll be a, a force to, uh, in the years to come in the Super W. Yeah, really looking forward to seeing what she does in the near future. Now over to athletics. Athletes from Team Solomon will soon be paid for their medal winning performance performances at the Pacific Mini Games that happened in the Northern Marianas last year. Now, the controversy that surrounds this is that these athletes were promised some money. They weren't given it on time. And now a whole year later, it has been spoken about that they will now receive payment. Yeah. What's interesting to me on this is that the Solomon Islands are hosting the Pacific Games later in the year. So their, their own national athletes have competed, won medals, and um, done a really good job of winning medals. Uh, and then they haven't been paid uh, for their achievements, all the coaches as well that were involved in that. So um, it was, I guess, a matter of time before the government stepped up and, and looked to, to make that right because you don't want disgruntled athletes from the home nation as you head towards a Pacific Games later in the year. Now, there's a couple of World Cups going on, and one of them is netball. And congratulations, first and foremost, to Tongan Tala, who defeated the Fijian Pearls 56-51 to in their debut, debut holler, netball World Cup match. Yeah, taking place in South Africa. This is uh, huge for, for Tongan Tala. As we know, uh, they've had some success in the region, um, but to head over into the World Cup and get a, a win, a tight-fought win uh, over Fiji is, uh, is huge for them. And uh, we look forward to seeing how they progress through that tournament. Yes, we'll certainly cover a little bit more of it later on. And following the successful debut of the men's netball competition, which concluded last month, the Netball Cook Islands has set its sights on the upcoming Men's World Cup in 2024. Yeah, this is this, we were talking about this the other day and, and surprised that there is a Netball World Cup for, for men's, but um, it's great to see the sport growing in popularity amongst men and particularly in the islands. And, and the Cook Islands just come off the back of, a, of their own tournament where six teams competed. A lot of... Um, uh, a lot of positivity around the, the competing teams and yeah, no doubt it's going to continue to grow. Uh, we covered um, Nepal and Fiji, men's Nepal and Fiji not long ago and, and obviously as a sport that's growing as well. Um, so it's great to see men getting involved in Nepal and it pushing to the world stage. Over to cricket, the T20 World Cup qualifiers, which took place in PNG, has finally concluded. PNG had a very successful campaign winning all of their matches. Yeah, this is uh, awesome for PNG. Obviously the host nation, they wanted to 
put their mark on the competition, but uh, qualifying for the World Cup, T20 World Cup, is is what was on the cards. They managed to finish on top, which means they are automatic qualifiers or they qualify through to that, uh, and it's a huge boost. We've spoken before to, to Cricket PNG about how much they're trying to grow the game, how um, committed they are to doing that and getting the opportunity to play in uh, the T20 World Cup is what you want if you're going to develop a sport in the nation. So well done to PNG on qualifying for the T20. Huge, huge news. Now, with the FIFA World Cup taking place, there's been so much love and enjoyment and joy surrounding the campaign. However, a piece of footage uh, made its way onto the internet of both the Spain and Netherlands women's soccer team mocking the haka, which is a traditional dance um, of New Zealand. Very cringy. It's so cringe. Yeah. It really is cringe. And when you think about the, the amount of eyes that have been on World Cup and all the feel good, feel good news stories that have surrounded it, I feel something like this really does dampen um, it in the slightest way. It's just really unfortunate to see national teams acting in such a way when you would think there should be a lot more sensitivity um, given at this level of the game. Yeah, I agree. And uh, there's been an apology come from the Spanish captain, but um, – the damage, I guess, has already been done. The video has been deleted, but it's still circulating. And yeah, no doubt both organizations or both countries, their national organizing bodies would be disappointed with the actions of their players. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be something said or maybe some sanction or penalty that's um, that's given to the players as well. But yeah, disappointing. I'm glad they deleted it. I'm, I'm glad that there was an apology from the Spanish captain. I'm not too sure about the Dutch captain, whether or not there was a um, an apology coming from there. Um, but yeah, disappointing stuff. Let's focus on some good news in the world of soccer. Uh, FIFA president has, sorry, the FIFA president has visited Tonga and is planning some new stadium and football academies. Yeah, this is huge. Uh, the FIFA president, he acknowledges how much Tonga does contribute to the football landscape and has uh, mentioned an 8 million stadium project, which is a lot of money dollars, a lot of money dollars to throw into it. But essentially what this will do will increase the profile of soccer within the region um, and get more more girls involved. And this is particularly what I love about World Cup campaigns is that when it's happening, you build off the momentum of it and change happens and people have buy-in. And, you know, we've, we've seen it with the FIFA World Cup. And I really do hope that rugby take note when we have our World Cup here in 2029. But this is the kind of stories that you love to see is that when momentum is there, you build on it. Yeah, it's it's true. And um, FIFA, obviously a, a world body of, of football, and they want to make sure that soccer is strong across every region. I think people understand and know that there's some real talented individuals in the islands and trying to get a foothold in there. When you've got rugby and, and rugby league and, and other sports that are vying for attention, uh, I think that's a big, big move by, by FIFA because they are such a strong organisation. Um, but reg- regardless, it's going to benefit everyone in the area when you build new stadiums, you put infrastructure in place, other sports benefit as well. So it's, um, it's a really good move and great to see that while they're down here in, in the area, down in uh, Australia and New Zealand for the World Cup, that the, uh, the FIFA president can make his way over to the islands and, and spread some, some dollars and some, some good, uh, good vibes on soccer. Spread some dollars, good vibes and soccer. That's the perfect note to end on. Up next, we've got an in-depth chat with Lottie Tangiri in Talanoa time. Talanoa time. On Can You Be More Pacific? 
This week for Talanoa Time, we are incredibly spoiled to have Lotte Tungiri on the line. He is a former professional do-code rugby footballer who played as a winger across both codes. He represented Australia in both Rugby League and Rugby Union and Fiji in Rugby League. For those who love Rugby League, I feel like I've said that a lot so much already. He's played for the Brisbane Broncos and Queensland Maroons, as well as for the Australian national side. He was a high signing for Rugby Union back in 2002 and was part of the Australian Rugby World Cup squad in both 03 and 07. Lotte, that was a long bio, but it is our absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, guys, thank you for having me. LT, we'll get you to share with uh, the audience a little bit about yourself, where you're from, actually. We'll go, go back to uh, where you were born and uh, where you were brought up. Yes, so um, Fijian born. Uh, I was born in Korolevo, which is on the western side of Fiji. Um, a uh, long time ago now, <laughs> uh, you can probably work it out, I'm probably around 43 years old. Uh, <laughs> you just exposed uh, yourself. I did, I did. Um, uh, migrated to Australia when I was three uh, with, with my family. Um, father came over to play um, some rugby and work in Australia, in Brisbane. We migrated to Brisbane and... Um, very lucky to have done that and, you know, had some great opportunities in Australia. Uh, yeah, so that was the start of um, us coming over here, mate. Uh, my mother um, is from Namatakula, uh, which is in Nandrunga in Fiji, and my father um, is family from the from Taviuni, Somosomo. So, um, yeah, we migrated to the, the the mainland to, that's where they met and created me and my three siblings. Love that. Speak to us a little bit more about Namatakula. Now, people may not know this, but that is genuinely a rugby breeding village. Mm, yeah, well, well, I think, um, you know, that, that, that village, that school uh, there, they've just, that's what they do. I think they just, rather than, Go to school, I think. And there's been a fair few uh, rugby players that have come out of there. I think um, there's just a, I don't know, an expectation around um, if if you're from there, you sort of play really well. I I was very lucky to um, to have, you know, been from around there and my um, family and family members um have have played in around the world, you know. I, I was um inspired by guys like uh Luca Aaron Avula who played for Fiji, um Noan Andruku, um and, and the list goes on. I think who else is from there? Tavita Kurandrani, uh Nemani Nandolo, who is oh, sorry, Ratu in the Singh in the Avi, um Chris Kurandrani and there's a few more. Elisabeth uh, Batibasanga. Early seven, but the Basanga, your teammate <laughs> from Sydney Uni. Um, yeah, so the list goes on. I think, uh, you know, there's a few pioneers that um, Illy's old man was, who was uh, Tassimeli, but the Basanga, her brother, Asayeli, um, but the Basanga. So really lucky to have, you know, that in, in the blood. But, you know, the expectation if you come there, you know, you've got to represent. Um, that 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 village proudly, and, and luckily, uh, you know, a lot of um, guys and girls have. 
Certainly a lot of talent. Um, some names rattled off there that um, come from the same village. LT, what about um, yourself? As a youngster, you mentioned rugby, rugby league, and we heard your, your bio from Sarah earlier. What was your was was rugby your first your first choice? Is that the one that you're playing uh, first uh, off? Not really, mate. I um. So when you, you when you when we migrated and you go up in in a such a probably rugby league um, dominated state. Um, in Australia, I, I think I pretty much watched m- more rugby league growing up. Um, there was a lot of coverage in, in Brisbane uh, and Queensland around that, so you, you know, naturally go towards something. You know, it's probably a popular sport, and, and everybody talks and, and talks about the place. So I, I probably more went that way. But I, I on the weekends, yes, I was, I was watching both. Much my dad um, had a love for. Watching, watching both, um, yeah, and I, I sort of grew up supporting teams like the Canberra Raiders in, in rugby league because no one on Brooklyn was there, uh, and, and you know they had a good splattering of Pacific Islanders back in the day compared to today. You know, there's there's a whole heap of Pacific Islanders in and around um, both coats. But back then, you know, he had Mal Meninga with him, um, and there were a few others. Uh, Ruben Wicky came later in the scene, Quentin Pongia, uh, John Lomax and, and the like. I, I remember they had more of a Pacific field than any other team um, playing back in those days. Uh, so, you know, just just really admired watching them. Um, and they won a few competitions and played really well. A uh, good brand of footy, so it was very entertaining. So it was easy to support them. Uh, while you know, you know, watching uh, the rugby as well, and and you know, being a Fijian descent, as Sarah will tell you, it's uh, the number one sport, rugby union, um, in Fiji, and uh, you just you know watch and admire, you know, that those teams like the early '90s Hong Kong Sevens Fijian teams. So Wasala Sarevi, uh, I go back to Noah again. He was in um, that amazing team. Uh, that won Hong Kong Sevens a, a few times, um, and there's some you know great footage of them being so dynamic and so entertaining um, back in the day. They've left a great legacy for these Fijian teams of late um, to emulate. Speak to us a little bit more about your rugby league career. You experienced all the highs that you can possibly achieve within that sport. Is there a particular memory that you hold on to that you can confidently say is the highlight of your rugby league career? Um, I don't know if I could pinpoint one. There, there, there was a few. I must admit, I, I playing rugby league, one of my best and favourite memories were probably pulling on a Queensland State of Origin jersey in 2001. Um, you know, as I said earlier, you, you grow up in Queensland, I'm watching, you know, Mal Meninga, Wally Lewis, all those guys, um, you know, play really well. And it being such a big um, occasion here in Queensland when State of Origin's on. So to be able to do that um, and, and run out onto... Uh, Lane Park, which is the old name for Suncorp Stadium now, um, and and hear the the blues um, from the dressing room in it for the blues when they run out and then running out onto a <laughs> Queens, on, onto a home track in Queensland 
uh, just amazing. Really, really honoured and, and grateful that I've got the opportunity to do that. How is the intensity? And we just had the the series wrap up not too long ago yeah. uh, for this year, and everyone always yeah. talks about the intensity of an Origin match. It's, it, no one will, mm. will ever play in a game like it. Was it like that for yourself? Yeah, it was actually um, just really intense. I must admit, I my first touch of the footy in a state of Origin game, I um, uh, I, I made a break, and I would run about fifty fifty meters. I Tried to go step the fullback <laughs> and then step in. I tripped over myself, probably more so an accident, and then pass it back into Darren Lockyer to score under the post. Um, and I thought, how is this? Not that hard. But <laughs> um, yeah, it was definitely uh, probably the more, most in, intense footy to play. You know, stakes are high. Um, every bloke on that field um, was the top of their game, so you had to be on. Um, and, and you just couldn't take take a rest. You were probably spent um, a bit uh, mentally and physically from the week, probably a couple of days after. But um, you know you're ready to go again in, in a couple of weeks. So really intense footy, but uh, you know that's that's the stuff you you, uh, you know your dreams are made of, and you want to play all the time. Such a great insight. For those joining us, we're chatting to Lottie Tenguri, who is a dual international in both Rugby League and Rugby Union for Fiji and Australia. Lottie, we've spoken extensively about Rugby League, but Rugby Union, you had quite a remarkable career in that you were able to play for the Waratahs, you went over and played in the UK, you played for the Wallabies as well. You became actually the first, 43rd dual code um, rugby international when you made your debut, which is pretty insane. Now, there is so much to cover throughout that, but like with what we did with Rugby League, what would have been your highlight of your Rugby Union career? Uh, highlight, I'd say, I know we probably lost the game. But, um, one of them would probably be, you know, playing in that World Cup final in 2003. Sick. Uh, in Sydney, I think uh, playing against England uh, in front of, you know, nearly 100,000 people. We, um, back in that old uh, Olympic Stadium when the old stands were still there, um, I think it, it held a lot more. So uh, just to be a part of that was amazing. Uh, and to see all the gold jerseys and the um, white English jerseys was cool. They really made a great atmosphere for that whole tournament um, there at, at that time. Um, and I think... Uh, you know, it's happening again. Was it 2027? So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that goes down uh, and what Australia can do uh, in that tournament and get around the country. Um, you know, I, th- I think, as you know, Sarah and, and Dino, when you play in those uh, big tournaments, you don't really get to experience uh, what's going on in and around um, the tournament and, and around the, uh, the, the, the country. Um and, you know, I remember driving past a few things and people, not that I wanted to be in there, but um, people streaming out at pubs, people walking around with jerseys on, the the, the atmosphere was, was live, people were happy, smiles on faces. So um, to be a part of that uh, over the next, um, you know, in the next 10 years here, uh, which, will, which will be great for, for Australian rugby. Yeah, it's pretty insane to think that we're hosting one not too far off. Just quickly, it's probably a little bit of a dire question, but the Wallabies, they are facing the 
All Blacks this weekend. Bledisloe, it's obviously a trophy we yeah. haven't touched in a in a while. Do you yes. think, looking at the squad, looking at Eddie Jones, that we have the goods to be able to do it? Because this is really important for us in our preparation for our World Cup campaign. Yeah, Sarah, if I'm being honest, I'd like to say we do. But at the moment, after the last couple of losses, um, we're, we're, we're a team still building. Uh, and whether we have enough time to build to, to make a dent at the World Cup, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that game against uh, Argentina probably more disappointing than they should have. Probably, you know, just close that game off. As as if you're a good team, you, you win your close games, and they've got a lot of boys coming back from injury um, that haven't played a lot of rugby. So uh, I just think we might not have enough fuel in the tank. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful for them to really do something um, on on Saturday night, I think it is, against, against the All Blacks, and then um, off to the World Cup to, to you know, get, uh, you know, they've, all they've got to do is get in the quarterfinal and the game changes. You know, you've just got to win um, quarter, semi, and a final, three games from there. And that's, um, I think if they can get there, anything can happen. Yes, it's um, they have had a tough period, but um, under Eddie Jones, hopefully they can turn things around and, and come World Cup time, give it a shake, and, and as you said, get into the finals. Now, before we jump into our last bit, uh, Lottie, what are you up to these days? What's what's taking your attention? What, what are you what are you doing with yourself? Yeah, mate. So I just started this thing called Fan Stands. Um, it's a members benefits program. Uh, you you buy a subscription uh, for fifteen dollars a month, which is three dollars fifty odd a week. And if you do your maths, <laughs> maths. But, uh, um, yeah, you get uh, really good discounts um, on retailers, uh, a really good list um, of uh, of retailers, entertainment, movies, um, uh, go and watch the AFL, um, really good discounts and, and, and money back. So uh, you, you do that. And then uh, at the end of... Um, every couple of weeks we have a draw and you go into the draw to, to go to some really good, cool sporting events around the world. Um, we've been live now for about you know six weeks. We sent um, some people to the Ashes Cricket uh, a few weeks ago at Lords. That was pretty cool, four, um, four people. Um, and then UFC 290, that was in Vegas, I think last week, Las Vegas. So it's really cool prizes in and around that. As as um, being your business or you being a part of the business, is there a requirement yeah. that you host some of these events? Or <laughs> uh, if we make enough money, Dean, I will, <laughs> I will go and host. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Do you need an ambassador? <laughs> Fifteen dollars a month, Sarah. <laughs> Three dollars fifty on a week, right, Lotte? <laughs> Oh, Lotte, it's been an absolute joy to speak to you um, today and hear about you speak on your career, the highlights, the lowlights, but also what you're up to at the moment. Before we let you leave, we love to run a segment with our guest called Tip On. It's basically a series of rapid fire questions. You don't have to think too hard, which I know you won't do anyways. So just say the first thing that pops in. Can you do that for me? I can, Sarah. Oh, I, can I love that. it. All right, my brother, let's hit it. The clock is on. What have you been binging lately? Oh, um, this thing on, uh, I, 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 I can't, I forget the <laughs> name of the show. Okay, we're going to the next question. What is your coffee order? Uh, latte, double shot, small. 
Who is your, oh, sorry, who was your most annoying teammate? From Berrigan. What was your favourite movie as a kid? Predator. Something you could eat for a month straight? A month straight. Passion fruit. Favourite place you've travelled to? Italy. What song do you play to make you feel good? Uh, any Fiji music. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, how good are you at keeping secrets? 11. Ooh, what was your first concert? Concert. Yes, concert. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I attended a lot. You know, Sarah, as uh, Fijian, you go to a lot of church concerts. <laughs> This is right. You could have just said something like Doki Doki or something, which is a Fijian band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Look, we didn't get through too many questions, but we still found some nah. stuff. <laughs> what about Predator as a kid? Is that... That's... Oh, no. is, that is that M-rated? Yeah. M-rated? Not even, it's, it's a scary movie to watch as a kid. I know. My, my cousin shouted to me. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, this is pretty cool. Yeah, I cut from this. a different cloth, love there. <laughs> Well, Lotte, thanks very much. Same as you, Sarah. Same as you, (laughs) Dino. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Good luck with with what you're doing now in your own business life. And uh, we look forward to – I'm I'm sure you and Sarah will be somewhere together for for an ambassador role soon. So um, (laughs) thanks again. All right. See you guys. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. You're with Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Stick around. We'll spotlight our favourite socials. But up next, we dive into the past with a controversial You Can Ask That. You Can Ask That. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete. On Can You Be More Pacific? This week, for you can ask that. A question from John in Monavale has made its way into our inbox. And it reads, I heard Ryan Hoffman tell Brett Spigger on Friday night that he thinks in the future they'll see the Storms premierships that were taken away being revisited. Is he delusional? Now, for a bit of context, over the weekend, it was Old Boys Day and they celebrated 25 years. There were six trophies on display. Minus the two that were taken away. Oh, including the two. Oh, including the two, sorry. Including the two. So let's have a bit of a yarn around this because it's a bit, it's a bit Delulu. Obviously as well, they're replicas of trophies that they get. So every team gets a replica and the- Okay, hang on a minute. I did not know that. So if you win a premiership, it's a rep, you get a replica to keep in your club. There's the original, right? The OG. And then the clubs get a replica. Um, I think, I think the clubs may have to- Purchase a replica? No. They get, Imagine oh, that, winning the premiership and then having to purchase your own no, no, I don't think, replica trophy. I think, I think they get they get given a replica, right? So okay. so that means that the, the original just stays where it is, mm-hmm. but um, every club gets their, their premiership trophy. Now the Melbourne Storm, obviously, as you said, rolled out all their six trophies, including 07 and 09, which were stripped to them for um, salary cap rorts uh, a few years ago now. And um, yeah, 
Ryan Hoffman, former player for the Storm, a part of those premiership winning sides uh, that were stripped. He he said mentioned this to Brett Sprigg. He calls with Brett Sprigg on our ABC network, covers some Melbourne games. He's a very good caller. Ryan Hoffman is doing a great job for us. So calling him delusional, John, that's a bit harsh, I think. But look, if, if I'm going to be honest, I, I don't think that he's going to be revisited. That that's there was a, a line drawn in the sand a long, a long time ago when that occurred. It was fairly, fairly heavy. Um, Rorts of the cap, like they 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 were found to be systematically big cheating blowouts. the cap. It was like it was really big and uncovered a se- second set of books and and whatnot. And I think Ryan's point was that there's been other clubs that have rorted the cap in one way or another that haven't been as heavily sanctioned. But I guess you'd need to go through and look at each individual situation and where those clubs were at the time. I, timing's got a lot of a lot to do with it in my mind. Like they went back and found these that occurred during those premiership years. That's why they stripped them of those premierships and that was quite substantial. Other teams I think about are the Bulldogs back in the early two thousands. They were streaking ahead in the competition. They were like almost undefeated. They'd just gone on a run of maybe seventeen victories and then they were found to have breached the salary cap and they got docked all their competition points. So they would have finished first by a mile and they were obviously going to be a chance to win a premiership. They didn't get to that point because they were moved to the bottom of the table by losing their premiership points. But again, timing was an issue there. Um, so I, look, I don't think they're going to be revisited. I understand a point that he makes and I've spoken to other Storm players that have been in this in this situation uh, around the same time. And to them, they rolled their sleeves up. They trained hard. They did all the work that was asked of them. They went out, they won games, they won the match on the day. So they see themselves as premiership winners and a bit of siege mentality. We are like, as a team, they'd be saying, we, we did the hard work, we earned the results and we won the game. So therefore, in our minds, the premierships count, which I can I can empathise with that. I understand um, that what goes on to, to win in a premiership is not easy and they all worked really hard, no doubt, to do it. But the point of the salary cap is to make the competition as even as possible. We know that doesn't always work because talent goes to where it wants to go. But um, the, yeah, the idea of, of maintaining as level a playing field as possible is the salary cap as it's – that's the way it's designed. Uh, and if you're going to breach the salary cap, it, it really does mean you, you're probably going to get better talent and you're going to have the better players um, and, and they're going to be paid accordingly. So that's why we have it. I don't know what your thoughts are, Sarah, on where Ryan's head's at. I mean, I don't think they're going to be revisited. I think if the players from within those years, in their heart, they know that they won it, just like you mentioned. They did all the, the, the work. They went and they won the match on the day. Yes, okay, the history books may say they were stripped of it, but you won the premiership that year. And I think from an emotional level, that will always stay, but I don't think the NRL as a governing body will go back and say, okay, maybe we should look at this again. Yeah, There's no point to. It's long gone. There's... There are much more complex situations that are happening right now in the game for people to think, let's look back in time and, and revisit, I don't know, some disgruntled people that think we probably should reinstate the premierships. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Now, what do you reckon about them rolling out the trophies like on that? They actually played against the Eels last week as well, and the Eels were involved in the 2009 premiership. So they, the Eels lost to Melbourne Storm in 2009. So I'm, I'm assuming that the Eels fans uh, might have been a bit salty based on them rolling out the 09 trophy that night. I think it's just a bit of tongue-in-cheek. Like, why not? If you have the bloody trophies <laughs> sitting in your clubhouse, pull them out. Would you keep a Ferrari in a garage? That good point. Exactly. Very good point. <laughs> so, you know what? Storm, people may not acknowledge you as premiership winners, but if you've got the goods, go and show it. Maybe I they, think that's a bit fun. Maybe they had little asterisks on the podiums that they sat on. I don't know. <laughs> 
I just think that's such a cheeky flex because the club certainly doesn't see it that they lost that year or it's been stripped. So I say yep. flex it. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Now, if you've got a question, you can send it through to our DMs on Instagram. Sarah is at Sarah Nangama and I'm at Dean Hallitel. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Keeping it social is probably one of the the, the best segments because I get to talk about something I spend way too much time on being Instagram. But Hala, before I get stuck into mine, what did you find this week? Oh, well, I've gone to um, the Brisbane Broncos Instagram page and- Up the Bronx. Up the Bronx. Last week, it was uh, in round 22, Pat Carrigan, who I love Pat Carrigan as a player. A lot of people love Pat Carrigan. Good bloke. Good bloke, honest worker. I've, he's a smart guy. I think I think he's doing psychology or physio or something at uni. Like he's he's going on to bigger and better things than he already is doing. Anyway, he scored a try for the first time in a long time on the weekend. And in typical rugby league fashion, the backing track was very similar to um, Alex Twalls, as in it was exactly the same. <laughs> Celine Dion. It's like the go-to for... Why is this Sheila on everything well, it's, NRL? It's it's just been a motive for like try scoring droughts. I think it's a try scoring drought theme. Um, That's so, going to be the song they're going to play at the end of my career. It was actually <laughs> a really good try too. Paddy Garrigan ran a good good line off uh, Adam Reynolds, bang straight through. Um, yeah, I was very happy to see him. Seventy eight games, first try. Well done, Patrick. Wow, yeah. seventy eight. Yeah. That needs to be a goal of mine to score more tries so that Celine Dion isn't played at the end of my <laughs> career. Yeah, you don't want that for your theme. What about you, Sarah? What do you got? Well, as you know, Fifa Women's World Cup is happening at the moment. So much goodness being shared online. And one uh, channel in particular, Wooker West, spelled W U K A W E A R, released some footage from the 2018 WAF Women's Tournament in Jordan. And it is. A clip where there are a couple of players obviously trying to get to the ball and um, a young woman who's wearing a hijab, a scarf, um, kind of gets knocked over and her scarf falls momentarily and the surrounding players, essentially the opponents, rush over to her, circle around her so that she can fix it. And I just think it's such a beautiful display of respect um, and something that, you know, you don't often see that happen on the field at all, but I just, I love that that was captured and that was celebrated because it speaks to the essence of Brilliant sportsmanship. Yeah, sportsmanship at its finest uh, there. Good pick. That's a good find from you, Sarah. Like, yeah, you had to go deep to find that. I did. Yeah. I did. Difficult name to spell to the, the uh, Instagram page. <laughs> it is, but I would heavily encourage you to head to it because like, it's footage that like, I highly doubt wouldn't move anyone. No, that, that doesn't make sense. Wouldn't move anyone. Wow. Does, yeah, it does. Wouldn't move anyone. That means it wouldn't move them. You highly doubt it wouldn't move them? No. No. Okay. Good footage. Go check out. Thank you. (laughs) Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Hello, so much has happened, but there is so much to look forward to this weekend, starting with the Netball World Cup, which continues. Yes, it does continue. Prelims have concluded. Stage one, Australia finished on top of their pool with Tonga in second, Fiji in third. So they all move through uh, to the next stage. Uh, New Zealand also finished top of their pool and they'll be moving forward as well um, from that next stage as an opportunity to get through to the to the um, final round. So it's all happening. Uh, we'll bring more updates on the World Cup next week. 
Lots to look forward to. Now over to football. The Women's World Cup continues. And Australia through to the round of 16 after an impressive 4-0 win over Olympic champions Canada. Mary Fowler, who is an absolute sweetheart and someone we adore on this show, scored a goal. Her first one was overturned by the VAR, but listen to how this one went. Maybe a chance to break here for Australia. And Caitlin Ford has done just that away down the left. Flag stayed down for now. She's looking for some support in the middle. She's cutting into the penalty. In on goal. Pulls it back. Fowler's now. Hits the post and in. Fowler's got a third. Australia have got a third goal. It looked like Caitlin Ford had gone too far. But got to the byline. Cut the ball back. Almost too far behind Mary Fowler. But Fowler did just enough to drag the ball off the inside of the post. And it bobbled its way along the goal line and eventually crossed it. And Australia now a three-goal advantage. Three precious goals and three points that should send them through to the knockout stage at the World Cup. What a moment. Ned Hall, great call there. And, yeah, a great moment for Mary Fowler, especially after getting that first one overturned, as you said. And it's a good bounce back. They they played against uh, Nigeria not long uh, – sorry, uh, last week, 3-2, they lost. And they needed to get the win over Canada, and they did it in emphatic fashion. So well done to the Matildas as they progress through, like you said. Denmark's going to be a big challenge for them on Monday night, but fingers, toes crossed. Yeah, well, they've said that they thrive off having the pressure. So let's see if they can deliver the goods. Home crowd, you just, you can't beat it. Yeah, it's the best. It now, truly is. Rugby, what's going on in rugby? There is so much happening in rugby and I'm screaming <laughs> because there's honestly so much happening in rugby. But the one that we're looking forward to the most is the Bledisloe. Last week, the Wallabies obviously took on the All Blacks and fell um, quite short this week. They've headed over to Dunedin where they will have another opportunity to try and right some wrongs. Last week, they suffered... A fair bit. Um, you could say that they were in it for at least the, the 60 minutes. I know that the score said otherwise, but there was a lot of promising moments throughout that. I guess the biggest um, devastation for them is losing some key players in the likes of Alan Alatoa, who is one of their captains. He suffered an Achilles injury, which sees him out. Taniel Tupo, who made his return after such a long period of time, went off with a rib injury. But... The squad list was released this morning and there is some excitement in the front row. Ponet Famosuli, he will don the number three jersey, which is huge for him. We see locks being changed, the likes of Nick Frost and Richie Arnold. But one guy that stood out in particular last week, and I'm expecting big things from him again, is Rob Valentini. He was the only player to cross up for the Wallabies. He led in terms of his tackle and carry counts, and I think he'll be immense and very instrumental if they want to do some special things against the All Blacks this weekend. Before you get stuck into it, I'm so happy that Eddie Jones has kept his 9-10 combo because if he changed it, there'd be so much scrutiny surrounding it. Um, so I think that the fact he's going to give these two young hubs another crack because it was a little bit rusty. Is, is quite promising for me. Is that a sign for the World Cup? Like, is this like we need these guys to be together, build the combination, and then work towards Yeah, France? I think so. We know that Nick White can work with Quade Cooper. We know that. They've, they've blooded that combination. They've had time to play together. And you look at World Cup, it's, what, 38 days away? This is the only time or the only opportunity that they'll get in, in Eddie's Jones' words, in Eddie Jones' words. Is that good English? Yeah, Eddie Jones' that, words? that works. Yeah, that works. Um, he, he defended Carter Gordon. People were saying he was a little bit rough. His kicks were a bit off and, you know, even Tate McDermott, there's some really weird passes, but there were also some wonderful passes in it as well. But he defends his, his combinations and said, these are the, these are the people I've chosen and I back them. So I think that's, that's good for them to be able to do it again. Um, I think they can only go one better. It looks like it's going to be cold over in Dunedin this weekend. Well, they put up some posts and it's like four degrees in Dunedin. I was like, I've lived in the South Island and that place ain't friendly. No, it's going to be harsh conditions. So 
Look, I, I watched I watched parts of that game last week. They did look good for for moments. It was really tense atmosphere, but the, the All Blacks kind of flex their muscle. They're so clinical and just get things done. They were, yeah, look, we could go into it um, a lot. But this week on Saturday in Dunedin, it's going to be a cracker and the Wallabies are going to win. You heard it here first. <laughs> Good confidence there. And now other internationals last week, Samoa took on Fiji. They went down, or Fiji got up 33 to 19 and Tonga and Japan played. Japan went in 21-16. This week on Saturday, there's more internationals with Samoa taking on Tonga and Japan taking on Fiji. Fiji are looking for a clean sweep. Yes, Fiji have been immense throughout this tournament and super, super competitive over in Samoa. Um, what's been the most promising part is we see players who are part of Fiji and Draw really starting to shine through, and that just comes with the combinations, knowing how to play with each other. So this week, um, they'll have another opportunity to finish on top. But in terms of their world rankings, Fiji is currently placed 10th and Japan is 12th. So it's uh, very much achievable for us to clean sweep this. Imagine that, a nice clean run of a tournament in the lead up to World Cup. Yeah, that'd be exciting. There's world rankings are on the, on the line here. They're constantly moving as well. Yep. Constantly moving. So, things we love to see, but next week we bring you the final results of that tournament. Look forward to that. Now, NRLW is in round three this week. We mentioned earlier in the show that uh, every team's had a win. Well, all the new, sorry, all the new teams have had a win. Uh, this week, the games that I'm really looking forward to, the Cowboys taking on the Broncos, it's a first version of this rivalry, uh, Queensland Derby, between the Cows and the Bronx. So that should be good on Saturday night. And then Sunday, I look at the Eels versus Knights, which will be broadcasting on the ABC. The Eels are desperate. They want us to try and get some form. So I'll be looking forward to seeing Captain Kennedy lead them around and hopefully get a victory over the Knights, who we know are defending premiers. Uh, in the NRL, it's moving into round 23 this weekend. And the games that I'm looking forward to, the Panthers v Storm, it's a replay of the GF from two years ago, and the Panthers v Storm is always a, a pretty physical battle. Uh, it's going to be out west in Penrith, which means um, the place will be rocking Penrith Stadium. So looking forward to that one. And then on Saturday, similar to uh, – this will follow the women's game. Um, it is the Cowboys versus the Broncos, which have had uh, – there's been some really tight contests over the last five years, six years. Actually, since their grand final in 2015, there's been that many tight contests, two points, one point separating, lots of extra times. The Cowboys will be without Val. Valentine Holmes, who uh, was unsuccessful in getting his charge downgraded at the judiciary. So he's going to be sitting out for four weeks. Big loss to the Cowboys in their charge towards the finals. Broncos uh, are sailing along really nicely. They towed up the, the Roosters last weekend um, and be looking for Patrick Carrigan to get another try. So, yeah, looking forward to those matches across the weekend. And don't forget, you'll hear Andrew Moore and the rest of the Grandstand Rugby League team calling all the action on Radio Australia. That brings us to the end of the show, but we'll be back same time, same place next week. Don't forget you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. What's all look here? Love it. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.